Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Uh, I want to talk about this morning, what do you do? What do you do when you find yourself in the middle of it? And, and by in the middle of it, what I mean is what do you do when although you know what the Bible says, although you know uh, that 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians one twenty says that all of God's promises are yes and amen, when you know that, you, you know Numbers 23.19 where the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie, but if he has spoken it, if he said it, will he not accomplish it with his outstretched arm? When you know what the Bible says, and yet, and yet you're right in the middle of life's circumstance, life's challenge, and life's difficulties. What do you do when, yes, I know what the Bible says, and I know that I'm walking by faith and not by sight, but my, my current experience, my past or present experience, where I'm currently at right now in the middle of it. My, my experience is telling me so, something different. What do you do when you're in, when you're in the middle of it? Mark chapter 5, uh, I want to pick up uh, for time's sake this morning and just read two verses, but I'll give you a little context. In Mark chapter 5, where we're picking up today, it's the story of a man named Jairus. Maybe you've heard the story before. If you haven't, let me catch you up for a second. This man named Jairus has a little girl, has a daughter that is sick, not just sick, but to the point of death. She's on her deathbed. The Bible says that Jairus, he comes and he, he asks Jesus, Jesus, will you please come to my home? Will you lay your hands on my daughter that she may be healed, that she would not die, but, but, she, but she, she would live? And Jesus says, yes, I will, I will go. Side note, um, the answer is always yes with Jesus. Can I encourage you wherever you are today, that whatever you're facing, that the answer is always yes. The Bible says that all of God's promises, they are yes and amen. It doesn't matter what you're facing, what you're holding, what you're going through. There is nothing that we cannot come to Jesus in humility and say, I need help. I, I need something that only you can give. The answer is always yes. And so Jesus says, yes, I, I will go with you. And they begin to walk. They begin to journey. However, in the middle, in the middle of their journey, the Bible says there's this woman with an issue of blood. Uh, she has been sick for years. The Bible says that she has spent all of her money, all of her livelihood on doctors and physicians, and yet she was no better. She had done everything she knew to do, and yet she was no better. The Bible says she heard, though. You know, there's power in hearing. There's, there's power in the, the voices and the influences you're listening to. And the Bible says that she heard about a man named Jesus. And something in her began to, to believe. She, she inched her way. She pushed her way through the crowd. And the Bible says she touched the hem of his garment and immediately was made whole. I, I love that picture because it reminds me that when my faith meets the presence of God, that the power of God is made manifest. I, 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 I love that picture, even in, in atmospheres like this, I think about it often that, that as my hands are stretched out, that as my faith, you know the Bible says, according to your faith, let it be done for you, that when my faith, when my belief, when my expectation, when it meets the presence of Jesus, that God's power is released. So Jesus stops and Jesus says, someone, someone touched me. 
the disciples, you, you probably heard the story, but they're like, everybody's touching you. We're, we're making our way through a crowd. And he says, no, no, this is different. This is different because while there might be a lot of people in the room, someone has pulled power from me. And so Jesus stops and Jesus begins to minister to this woman. This is where we pick up. We, remember, this is Jairus' story. The woman with the issue of blood kind of steals the scene for a minute. But remember, this is Jairus' story. And in, in the middle, in the middle of it, verse 35 says this. Mark 5, 35, while he was still speaking, Jesus still speaking to this woman, still ministering to this woman, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Jairus, your daughter, she is no longer living. Why, wh wh why go any further than this right here? Jesus, however, heard. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid but only believe. If you continue on, you can read that Jesus, he does arrive to Jairus' home. Jairus' daughter, while Jesus said she's only sleeping, she, she was in fact dead, and Jesus speaks a word to her, and, and supernaturally she is, she's raised from the dead. Matthew chapter 16, quick, quickly, let's, let's read here. Matthew 16, uh, I'll read from the screen for time's sake, <clears throat> starting in verse 15. Jesus is talking, and Jesus says to his disciples, but who do you say that I am. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Verse 17, and Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for the flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, the title of the sermon. Um, I've said that every time that I've preached in this series. If you're taking notes or if you have a pre-made study guide, you will see in your study guide that the title of the message this morning is Open the Gates. Open the Gates. And again, I want to talk to you. I want to speak to you. What do we do when we're in the middle of it? Would you pray with me one more time? God, we thank you today for giving us the Bible. We say it almost every single week, but God, we are so thankful for the power of your word. This book that we are reading, that we are studying today, it is not just a book. It is not just full of facts and information and principles and precepts about you, but 2 Timothy 3 says that it is the actual living, breathing words of our God. God, you live today and, and thus your word lives today. And Holy Spirit, what we need today all across this room is not information, we need revelation. What we need is not a sermon, but we need for your word to minister to the deepest parts of who we are, to hear your voice speaking to us right where we are in the way that we need to hear it. So we give you permission. And we say, open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to, to receive today that we might leave here not just inspired, or informed, but from the inside out, changed and transformed. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen and amen. 
Um, uh, you, you don't have to raise your hand. I know the answer is yes for some, no for others. Um, but uh, are, are you into like the fitness stuff, like diet and exercise and like, you know, working out and eating healthy? Um, I, I am kind of. Uh, you can obviously tell I am not a bodybuilder. I'm not a crossfitter. Um, the amount of heavy weights that I lift is limited to say the least. Uh, these days I'm lifting more children. We have three small children than I am actual dumbbells. But, but I like f- physical activity. I, I do. I enjoy running. I enjoy playing sports. I occasionally, and by occasionally, I mean occasionally, uh, enjoy going to the gym and doing some sort of workout. Uh, but I love being outside. I love playing golf. I love just doing anything active. The part that really gets me, and maybe you can relate, is I love to eat. Can I get an amen? I, I love to eat. Like, if it were just about physical fitness, golden. Like, that, like it's, it's all good, but it's about diet, too. Uh, someone once told me that you can't uh, outwork a bad diet. And I said, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you. Please depart from me. Because I, I don't, like, I don't, I don't want to hear that, but, it, but it's the reality. And where I get hung up a lot of times when it comes to eating is that I forget one of the most important parts about nutrition. It is consistency. It's, it's not eating chicken and broccoli or, what, or what, whatever it is that you eat for a day or for three days, but it's doing it over a, a period of time. Pastor Gill has said often, it's not that you're not doing the right thing, it's that you're not doing it long enough. And I get hung up with, with eating because I will, my, my, my wife can attest, uh, I am undisciplined and then like, I'm gonna be so disciplined and then undisciplined and it, it drives her crazy and she would appreciate all your prayer and support. Um, but I, I, I can be so disciplined for a short period of time. And what gets me is I like look in the mirror or I step on a scale or some sort, sort of other metric and I go, what am I doing this for? I've said no to frozen yogurt. I've said no to good Mexican food. And I've been eating things like broccoli and asparagus and grilled chicken and salmon. And th- this isn't working. And and I, and I tell you that because I wonder sometimes if this is how we feel in relationship to, to God, in, in relationship to things like finding freedom, in, in relationship to things like we're talking about where, again, we know what the Bible says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like we, we, we get it, preacher. I know. All of God's promises are yes and amen. There's a t- like a ton of worship songs that have been written about that. I, we've heard it. We know it. I, I get it. We, we know things like where the Bible says God is not, not, not a man that he would lie, but if he said it, he will accomplish it. We, we know things like in the book of Hebrews where, where the, the author tells us that it's through faith and patience that we shall inherit the promises of God. The problem is that our current circumstance and situation, our past or present experience does not reflect what we are believing, praying, and and declaring. I, I find re- relevance in the book of Mark because in Mark chapter 5, what we see in the story of Jairus is a man who, like many of us, finds himself in, in the middle where circumstance and situation are screaming the opposite of what, of what he thought Jesus had, had said. I know we just read it, but indulge me momentarily. Jairus, he goes to Jesus. And upon going to Jesus, he gets a yes. Remember, all God's promises are yes. Yes, I will go with you. 
And yes, I will heal your daughter. And yet right in the middle of this passage, Jairus is faced with the devastating news. The very thing that God promised, the very thing that Jesus gave you his guarantee, it has not happened. It will not happen. Please trouble the teacher no, no longer, no further. It's, it's over. And what I'd like to point out, number one, if you're taking notes, is, is simply this, that and this isn't in your booklet, I apologize, but it's simply this, that difficult times should, should be expected. What, what I think happens so often to us is we, we find a promise from God, we find something that God has spoken, we find something that we are believing for and praying for and know to be true, and we finally have the courage and the boldness after service to go and to receive prayer from the prayer and altar team, and then all of a sudden life adversely turns and we're, we're thrown. First Peter 4.12, I want to read this to you. Uh, the author of First Peter, Peter, he writes this, Beloved, so he's writing to you and I, he's writing to, to, to church people. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Have, have you ever had something happen to you before that just surprised you? It just shocked you? Something that happened to you or some, some news you got or something that, that, that came, came down the, the pipe of life, if you will, and it completely caught you off guard and, and sent you into a tailspin? P Peter said, but beloved, please do not think it strange or do not, uh, do not allow it to throw you for a tailspin when you face the fiery trials of life. Don't look at it like some strange thing is happening to, to you. Jesus actually says this in Matthew chapter 16. If, if you were listening, Matthew chapter 16 says this, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on this revelation of who I am, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We often overlook that part that Jesus says, yes, on this revelation of who I am, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build your life. I'm going to fulfill all the promises and all the things that I've spoken to you. However, the gates of hell, actual resistance will, will happen. And, and Jesus says, take heart. It will not prevail against you. Take heart. It will not over, overcome you. However, you should be, be expecting that, that in the journey, in the midst of it, hard, hard difficult things will, will happen. I was recently talking with someone, and they, they said, well, why is that? Why, 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 why is it that, that hard things, that difficult times happen? Because a lot of us, if we're honest, and maybe we wouldn't say it out loud, but it's, it can be internalized, we think, well, yeah, I gave my life to Jesus. And I'm going to my connect group. If you're, if you're a part of my connect group on Thursday mornings, it's like, I'm going to my connect group. And it's like, it's six in the morning. I'm sacrificing for the Lord. And I'm, I'm doing the study guide and I'm memorizing the scriptures to the best of my ability. And, I'm, I'm, I, and, and we think somehow because we're doing all the, all the right things that all of a sudden life is supposed to be birthday cake and unicorn rainbows and flowers and glitters. And like, I, I, this is why I signed up to follow Jesus, right? So everything would, and so we, we maybe don't verbalize it, but we internalize it. Why, why is it though? Why is it that I, that I should expect? Well, there's multiple reasons. One is that we live in a fallen, broken world, do we not? 
We live in a world that is full of pain and hurt and tragedy and things that are complex and difficult that we do not have answers for. And thus, Paul writes, thus our salvation is not in hope of this life, but it is in hope of, of the, the life that we will experience with Jesus eternally when he comes back. Paul, Paul writes, he, he says, if our hope in following Jesus is in this life only, we are some of the most pitiful people. But it's not. Jesus has promised that, that he is right now preparing a home for us. And Jesus will return. And when he returns, he will wipe away every tear. And all pain and hurt and sickness and, and all will be made new. And we will spend eternity with him in heaven. This is the hope, Paul writes, of our salvation. But for right now, we live in a hurting, broken world where because of sin, because sin has infected and impacted the world we live in, life is full of complication. Another reason is we, we're all impacted by the actions of other people. I, I, I remember long ago growing up, having so many conversations with my dad, our senior pastor sitting right here on the front row, where, where I'm like, it, it, doesn't, like it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what I do. And he would remind me, no, 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 no. Your life is connected to the lives of other people. You might not think listening to your music this loud in your room is a big deal, but let me tell you right now, it is impacting everybody else. We, our life is impacted by, by those around us. And like us, we're surrounded by imperfect people. We are imperfect, we are flawed, and so are the people all around us. But maybe more than any of that, we have, a, we have an adversary. We, we won't read them all, but I'll give you a couple in case you want to jot them down. John 10, 10, yes, Jesus did say that he's come to give us life and life more abundantly. However, he said, just be aware there is a thief, a robber, and his primary objective is to steal, to kill, and to destroy your life. Did you know that all through the New Testament, the, 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 uh, the, the devil, the evil one, that he's referred to as our adversary? We often think about him in this distance, like, yeah, like him and God are like dueling somewhere else. But no, no, no. He is the adversary of your life. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant for your enemy. He prowls about looking for every opportunity to pounce. We, we talked about this a few weeks ago in, in taking thoughts captive and winning, winning the, the battle of the mind. But Ephesians 6, 12 and 2 Corinthians 10 through 5, they tell us. We're in a spiritual battle and we might feel it and we might see it naturally. We might feel it and we might see it externally, but make no mistake about it. We are in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. Thus, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2.11, he says, listen, let's be, let's be aware. Just be one of the number one battles that we're facing right now at home with our four-year-old Brooklyn Page, who is the cutest little girl in the whole wide world is awareness. Just, just be, be, Brooklyn, just be aware that when you stomp that loudly, you wake up your brother who is napping and that adversely affects the world. <laughs> it, it just does. But Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2.11, he says, we, we gotta be aware of the enemy's tactics and his strategy unless we get taken advantage of. A lot of people get taken advantage of simply because like my daughter Brooklyn, they're, they're just unaware. The Bible is full of reminders and full of verses. Time fails us to go to them all. 
about, about difficult, hard times that they should be expected. And however, in, in the midst of them, what we see in these two passages that we just read, number two, you can jot this down, is that we must have a revelation of who Jesus is. We, we must have a revelation of who Jesus is. I want to go back to Matthew chapter 16 momentarily, and I want to read verses 15 and 16 again, um, maybe through 17. G- Jesus, he, he says, but verse 15, but who do you say that I am? Can I just pause and ask this question, not of your neighbor, not of your spouse, not of your brother or sister, the person in front of you, not of the friend that you're thinking right now, they really need to hear this sermon, um, but you. Who do you say that Jesus is? If you were to stand up this morning and give a declaration, who do you say that Jesus is? Who is, who is Jesus to you? See a thought, an idea, a concept, Is he part of a tradition that was passed or handed down to you? Or is he a real person? Because Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter stands up in boldness and he says, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. You, You are the one sent from heaven to earth. The one that we have been waiting for the one that our soul longs for. You are the one who will reconcile humanity to God. You are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. You you, you are all things, all things were created by you and in you are all things. You You are the son of the living God. Listen to what Jesus says. He says in verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. I would just venture to say that of all people, and Peter's one of the 12 disciples, Peter spent a number of years not hearing about Jesus, but actually walking with Jesus. He heard all the sermons. He was right there. He saw all the miracles. He saw Jesus walk on the water he saw blind people get their sight and he, he saw the, the, the dead that were raised. He himself momentarily walked on water. You would think of all people that Peter would have, you know, like figured it out. But, but Jesus said, no, this revelation, it's not something you figured out, Peter. It's not something that you were, you were sitting in, in my last teaching and all of a sudden it dawned on you walking on water, the dead girl. Guys, I, I just connected the dots. I know who he, he said, it's not, you didn't figure it out. It wasn't taught to you. You didn't read it in a book. Didn't get it in a podcast. He said, this is something that was revealed to you by my father who is in heaven. You know, revelation is different than information. Revelation all through, through the New Testament is this word apocalypto. It's pretty fun to say apocalypto. And it's, it's the word for revelation where, where the spirit of God, he makes something manifest to you. He, he takes the blinders off, if you will. He, he uncovers something and he gives you from the inside out a, a revelation of something, 
And can, can, can I tell you this morning that you don't need information about God. You don't need more facts. You don't need more principles or precepts. You, you, you don't need a tradition that was handed down. What you need is a revelation of who Jesus is. Something that beyond a shadow of a doubt, there, there is no convincing you otherwise that you know that you know that you know that Jesus is who he says he is. That he is the son of the living God. That he actually physically did come from heaven to earth and pay the penalty for all of our sins. That he actually will return again. That in him is all, you need a revelation of who Jesus is. Because Jesus said in Matthew 16, he said it's on this revelation it's on the revelation of, of who I am, that, that I'm going to build my church, that I'm going to build your life, that I'm going to fulfill and do all that I said that I would. Who, who, who do you say that I am? I, I think Jairus was a man who had a revelation of Jesus. It doesn't say it explicitly in the text, but I, I think Jairus was a man who, who he knew who Jesus was. We see in this passage that his, his little girl who is, on her, her, her deathbed, that because Jairus knows, he knows who Jesus is, Jairus takes the journey. He takes the effort. He makes the walk. And he goes and finds this man. Would, 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 would you come and would you lay your hands on my daughter? In, in the middle, in the middle of it, knowing and finding out that his daughter has died, Yet at the words of Jesus, don't, don't be afraid, only believe. Because he has a revelation of who Jesus is. He, see, it's a revelation of who Jesus is that will keep you anchored. A tradition that your mom or your dad passed down to you, a, a tradition that you have acquired because you were born or raised in a certain family or maybe in the South, that, that's not, that will not anchor you. So, something that has been built up because of a, a self-prescribed discovery of knowledge or education. It, that, the only thing that will anchor your soul, it is a revelation of who Jesus is. How, how Brandon, do, do I get a revelation? Um, I, I say this uh, humbly and gently, but you have to pay the price. I, I, I do not mean that in any kind of a legalistic or a works mentality way, but I want to read this to you. Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23, uh, Solomon writes, he says, buy the truth and do not sell it. Buy the truth and do not sell it. I probably like you, I have so many of my mom and my dad's, mostly my dad's um, little sayings that, he, that he, he would say to us all growing up that I would get so bothered and annoyed by because they were usually in a form of correction um, that maybe like you, I've now begun to distill to my children because maybe dad knew what he was talking about. Like what, what one of them was, um, I've shared this before, but he, he would always say, um, you didn't forget, you just didn't choose to remember. Ah, dad, totally, told. no, you did not forget. You did not forget what time the Lakers are playing tonight. I would never forget that. You, you did not forget that you needed $20 to go this Friday. No, you simply did not prioritize and choose to remember that we asked you to X, Y, and Z. Another one that I think of is, it's, it's not that you don't have the time. It's that you didn't make time. We all have time. Come on. All of us have 
time. Ah, no, Pastor Brent, I really don't, I'm so, no, you have time. We all have time. The question is, how do we prioritize and steward our time? It is not whether or not we have time or we don't have time. It's an issue of priority and stewardship. And we, we have time for lots of things if we were to just be honest. I got time to get carpal tunnel in my phone, scrolling social media. I got time to make sure I'm up to date on all the, the scores. You, 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 know, you know how I, I know you have time? Because all the men in the room, I'm maybe assuming a little bit, I'll say most of the men in the room, you found the time when it was March Madness or Masters Week. Like we, you, you, you can get creative to find time. The question is, you know, how do I steward my time? And, and Solomon says this. He says, buy the truth. In other words, it will cost you. Whether, whether it's costing you time, energy, sleep, it, it will cost you. However, my son, I remember Proverbs, it's written, it's a book of wisdom. It's a father writing to his son. And he says, son, but I'm telling you, buy the truth. Whatever you have to pay, whatever you have to sacrifice, whatever you have to invest, buy the truth and do not sell it. What, what, is he, what is he saying? Well, he's not saying by revelation because you and I, how many of you know from even just this text, we cannot give ourselves revelation. But you know what we are responsible for? We are responsible to posture and position ourselves in spaces and places to allow the Holy Spirit to give us revelation. We, we're responsible to steward our time and our energy in such a way that we are finding ourselves in places and spacious postures saying, God, speak to me. You know, it's, it's, maybe not even, it's maybe not even changing your calendar or your schedule. It's, it's maybe just, just reprioritizing the posture of your heart. I'll give you an example. Um, I recently um, was in a little bit of a bad mood. Anybody you ever ever been in a bad mood? Just me, only the preacher. Um, but kids are just hard. It's 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 difficult to have three children under the age of six. Um, it's a lot of volume all the time. It's a lot of volume, a lot of screaming, a lot of repeating yourself. And um, I, I just I just just in a bad mood. And um, and my wife lovingly, rightfully, after the children went to bed, she kind of confronted me on my bad mood. Hey, and I, by the way, I was very impressed with my wife because she was so kind and gracious about it. And I would not have been that kind and gracious. She said, hey, we, we, we need to talk about this. You've been in kind of a bad mood today. And here, 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 here was one of my one of my go-tos. I'm like, yeah, just, you know, it's been crazy because the kids are getting up so early. And, and again, don't you judge me. But I'm like, you know, one of the things that I'm missing right now is I'm not getting like the quality time in the morning to spend with the Lord that I feel like I need to posture my heart to have a good attitude. And so it's not my fault. It's the kid's fault for not giving me the time. And, the, and she, she asked me one question that, that really sunk in. She, she said, well, can I ask you a question? What do you do with all your time in the car? whatever I want to do with my time in the car. Thank you for asking. So, what, so you, you got a 20-minute drive to and from work. She said, why, why don't you use that space to posture your heart to pray and posture your heart to, to freshly be filled with the Holy Spirit? 
See, it's maybe not even changing your schedule or your calendar, but it's recognizing your need for God. It's recognizing your need to have a revelation in a fresh way, to know God, to know Jesus, to have the eyes of your understanding, as Paul would write, being opened and enlightened to know him. You, you need a revelation of who Jesus is. And number three, we'll, we'll close with this. But it's, it's having a revelation of who Jesus is and then remembering that during the hard times, we have to lean on what we know to be true. We have to lean on what we know to be true. I had a friend of mine, a uh, pastor friend of mine, mentor early on in, in my college years. And I just had a lot of questions. Sometimes, and this maybe would not be encouraging to you, but sometimes the more information you get, the more confused you get. Sometimes the more, like the, the more voices you have in your life and the more input you get and the more uh, people that are talking to you about the same thing, but they all have a little bit of a different, it, it can just cause confusion. So I, I'd started Bible college and I was getting confused. Because like what I was reading and what I was hearing at church on Sunday and then my five different class, I, I, I had a lot of questions. And I remember going to this friend of mine, mentor of mine, just saying, I got this question, that question. And some of the questions that I had, um, there, there just isn't an answer for. Because that's part of what you and I have to be at peace with, is it not? That because we live in a world that is complex, in a world that is, that is hurting and broken and and because we are not God and the Bible says that God, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher, there are gonna be some things that we just don't have the answer to. There's gonna be some questions that there's just not an answer for that question. And he said, you know, Brandon, if you're gonna serve God for any length of time, if you're gonna make it out of Bible college, you're gonna to have to decide right now that you're gonna serve God based on what you do know not based on what you don't know, because there's a big difference. There's a big difference in staking your life on, you know, I I don't know, and I'm not sure. I, I don't have the answer to that. However, what I do know, because I have a revelation of who Jesus is, is that God is faithful. What I do know is that God has given me precious promise. What I do know is that God has fill, fill in the blank. And in the hard times, we're, we're gonna have to realize that I need a revelation of who Jesus is and I, I need to, to serve God and, and lean on the things that I do know. Mark chapter five, verse 36, and we'll, we'll close and we'll end with this. Jesus, he, he whispers to, to Jairus. I say that he whispers, maybe he didn't whisper. In my mind, he was whispering. But the Bible says as soon as Jesus heard the word, which I'm, I'm sorry that I'm pausing again, but I am so encouraged that Jesus was close enough to Jairus that, that he heard the news coming from, from his friends. I'm, and I know I'm taking, I'm taking some liberties here, but I'm encouraged that, that while Jesus was, some could say, interrupted in Jairus' story by this woman with the issue of blood, that Jesus was still mindful of Jairus. I'm, I'm encouraged that, 
maybe even in his posture that, that Jesus would have, would have pulled, pulled Jairus with him and kept him close. I'm encouraged that Jesus was present. I'm encouraged because it reminds me that, that pain and hurt and difficulty is not evidence of God's absence. No, God is present. God is present. The Bible says that as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. Believe what? Only believe. First of all, what it is you knew to be true when you came to me. Because Jairus, if you didn't have faith and if you didn't believe and you didn't have a revelation of who I was, you wouldn't have even made the trip to come ask me to come and heal your daughter. But only believe that, that conviction that I, don't, I can't explain it and I don't know why and I can't put all the pieces together. I just, I just know that I know that I know that God's with me. Only believe the word that I spoke to you here that I will heal your daughter. I know I've quoted it multiple times, but Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he would lie. If God said it, if God spoke it, if God's given it to you, God is faithful to accomplish it. Maybe not in your timing, maybe not in the way that you thought he was going to, Maybe not exactly how you wanted him to exactly when, but God is faithful. And in essence, what Jesus is saying to Jairus is, Jairus, do not allow your mind to venture into all of the unknowns. I mean, can, I'm, I'm the dad of two, two girls, and so my, I feel like my heart can go there so fast. But can you imagine all of the emotions immediately all of the questions immediately, all of the fear, the anxiety, the doubt immediately that begins to flood Jairus' heart in just a sentence, don't bother the teacher any longer. Your daughter's dying. I can't even imagine what flooded his heart. And yet, in essence, what Jesus is saying is, Jairus, 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 do not allow your mind your heart to go to everything that you don't know. But you stay planted right here in what you do know. And what you do know is I have promised you that I am with you. And I'm, and I'm walking with you and I will do what I said that I would do. The, the, the text doesn't say it, but you know what intrigues me about the story? is that we don't know how much further they had to walk. We don't know that. But that's intriguing to me. It's, it's intriguing to me that, that in Mark chapter 5, he says, do not fear, but only believe. And then they keep walking. And it's intriguing to me that the text does not say how long they kept walking. Was it 10 minutes? Was it a mile? Was it, was it three hours? Was it five hours? It's intriguing to me because I, I, I start to think and I start to wonder along that, that continued journey, how many times did Jairus have to stop? How many times did Jairus have to be encouraged and reminded? Did, did Jairus ever just sit down and break down and say, I'm done, I, I can't? It, we don't know. 
but but part of part of that gap, part of that in, in in intriguing part to me is that is that it's so relevant to you and I, is it not? Yeah, but but when will God fix this? I don't know. Yeah, but I've been I've been praying and I've been believing and I've been fighting and I've been standing on God's promises. When will God? I don't know. I don't. Yeah, but but how much longer am I going? I, I don't know. I don't know. But I cannot serve God based on what I don't know, on what I cannot see, on what I cannot come. I can only serve him based on what I know. And, and I, I just see three little thoughts and we'll end with these. But, but Jairus encourages me to number one, to keep walking. Maybe you're here this morning and because of something that you are facing, you're in the middle of it. You're really tempted to just keep walking. You're, you're, you're really tempted to in relationship to, to serving God. I just, I'm, I just need a break for a little bit. But Jairus encourages me to keep walking. He encourages me to keep believing. Maybe you're here this morning and because of what you're facing, something in you is saying it would be easier to make peace where I am and to stop believing for something I'm not sure will ever happen. Which Harris encouraged me to keep believing. And thirdly, I'm encouraged to keep fighting. Matthew chapter 16, we won't, we won't go back and read this, but verse, verse 19, this is what Jesus said. He, he said, um, behold, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Thank you so much, Kent. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm reminded in this passage that, oh yeah, what what I do know is that I have authority. I I don't know about all the unknowns, but what I do know is that Matthew 10.1 says that Jesus has given to me all authority and that not in my own righteousness, not in my own ability, but because of his finished work in him and in his name, I have all authority to command the gates of hell to be moved, to be opened, to be broken down. What what, what does it say in in Zechariah when Zechariah says, who are you, O great mountain? You shall become a plain. We have to remember that we've been given this authority in Christ to look at circumstance and look at situation. Say, "Who, who, who are you, O mountain? You shall become a plain in front of me. This gate, it will be opened. It will be be broken down. Why? Because Jesus said on the revelation of who I am, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my people. The gates of hell will not be able to prevail against them. Let's keep walking. Let's keep believing. Keep fighting. I don't know how long. I don't know what. I don't, but I do know. If I will keep walking and believing and fighting, God is faithful. Can I pray for you this morning? God, I thank you today that in the name of Jesus, we have been given precious promises. God, you promised that you were our healer, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, relationally. You've promised that you are our provider. You've promised you are our peace. You are our comfort. 
You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. I thank you today that you have given us precious promises. And I ask you in the name of Jesus that all across this room, you'd begin to stir us up and remind us again of the promises of what you've spoken to us and what you've given to us. Stir us up and remind us today, God, that that not only do we have promises, but we've been given the authority. Authority to, to, to command mountains to be moved. And I pray that today, that as we, as we leave here, although we may be facing difficult, hard circumstances or situations, that God, we would have a fresh revelation of who you are. We would lean in what we do know. And as we continue, like the book of Hebrews says, through faith and patience, we would inherit all of your promises. God, continue the good work you've begun today. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.